podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to The Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. On a Thursday, before the weekend where we take on Arsenal at the Premier League, coming off two shocking performances against Manchester City and Chelsea after an international break that should have been used to fix some of the issues, but clearly wasn't. Um... There's not a whole lot going on, so we'll go straight to This Is Anfield, where Adam Beatty has a new piece up. Midfield age and away form, three concerns and two priorities for Liverpool to with restore belief. Um, let's have a look. So first concern, the age profile of the midfield. We've known about this for quite a while. Priority, eliminate defensive lapses. That's that's very fair, but you know we need to start pinpointing where the defensive lapses are happening and not just defaulting to blaming Trent and Virgil when oftentimes it's an issue that happens somewhere else and the chain reaction is that something happens in their zone that they've had to cover out of. Concern, the drop-off of our best players... When Virgil van Dijk and Mohamed Salah come in for criticism, you know you're in a spot of bother. Look, nobody can argue that Virgil hasn't dropped off considerably this season. But compare him to the rest of the defenders in the Premier League, and he's still one of the best defenders in the Premier League. Compare him to himself, and that's where you see the drop-off. But for people who say, oh, he hasn't been the same since the knee injury, he was literally the best defender in the world last season. Now, he might not have been as good as he was in 18, 19, 19, 20, but he was the best defender in the world last season. So any drop-off was marginal. Salah, this idea that Salah has had a bad season or that he's not contributing is absolutely bizarre when you look at the goals and assists that the guy has put forward this year, 23 goals, I think it's eight assists, that's a career year for a lot of people. Now, we'll all agree he's had some games where he hasn't been in any way effective. That's not a Mo Salah issue. That's a tactical issue. We were playing him as a glorified linesman earlier in the season having him hang about on the right wing waiting for the ball rather than drifting in field and getting involved like he's always done before. That's a tactical issue. He's not standing out there because he wants to. He's standing out there because he's been told to. That's a Pep and Linders thing. Go and watch the team that Linders coached when he left 
when he failed and then came back and watch how he used his right winger. Chalk on the boots. That's exactly what he has Mo Salah doing. The games where Mo has moved more central, that's where Mo's been equally as effective as he has in any previous year. So it's not a Salah thing, it's a coaching thing. Trent has obviously had a poor season. Nobody's denying that Trent has had a poor season. But there's this lie that's been propagated that he's been roasted by every single winger that he's faced this season. And again, that's just simply not the case. You go up and down our fixtures this year and you can find a few where Trent got absolutely run. You absolutely can. In the league, Matoma destroyed him a couple of weeks ago. Well, how long ago was it now? It's a couple of months ago at this point. Matoma destroyed him. And he did it again in the cup. But other than that, who's really given him nightmares in the Premier League? Who's really embarrassed him in the Premier League this season other than Matoma? Because I'd struggle to think of anybody. Then you look at the Champions League. Kvaratskhelia rinsed them in the opening game. Kvaratskhelia has rinsed every right back he's faced this season. And then Vinicius did it in the Champions League. And again, Vinicius does that to every single right back that he goes up against. In Vinicius and Kvaratskhelia, you're probably talking about the two best left wingers in the world. In Matoma, you're talking about one of the best dribblers in the world. They do that to everybody. And then Grealish did it at the weekend. But Grealish didn't really rinse him. Like, Grealish never went past him. All Grealish continued to do was cut back inside. And because Harvey wasn't helping, he was cutting back inside into space and he was able to influence the game that way. If Harvey Elliott does his job, Trent doesn't have an issue. Any other time Trent has had an issue this season is when he's been left 2v1, which happens all the time. Teams get their left back up in support of their left winger, and because our right-sided midfielder doesn't bother their hole to get back, Trent gets left 2v1. What do you want him to do in that situation? Look for the root cause of why that's happening. Sometimes it's 3v1 because the left back will go, the left-sided midfielder if they're playing 4-3-3 will go and there's the left winger and Trent is trying to deal with them all. How often do we see it on a cross from the right, our left, where Trent is left 2v1 or 3v1 at the back post? And you're asking, where on earth are our players? Where's our right-sided midfielder? We know that Mo is not consistent in his defensive work. But he's not asked to be because he carries such a load going forward. But given our right-sided midfielders don't really offer a whole lot of much going forward, they have to offer everything defensively, and they don't. So this piling on of Trent needs to stop. The bigger issue with Trent has been his delivery has been 
way off what we expect it to be. His decision-making hasn't been as good. But the idea that he's getting rinsed week on week on week is just bullshit. It's like the idea that we're a better team without Thiago. That's just something that was put forward by a bunch of gammon and gravy pundits on talk sport and associated shite and then bled into Twitter where a bunch of morons picked it up and went, oh, that sounds right, Jesha, look at these results. But didn't look at who the results were against, didn't look at the context of the game, didn't look at who else was playing in those games. It's absolute nonsense. Why is it always... Like, when we were winning, obviously everybody knew that Salah and Virgil and Trent were the best players, but others were getting put into that conversation who didn't belong in that conversation. And yet when we struggle, those who got all the credit don't get the blame. Instead, it's Virgil, it's Salah, it's Trent, it's Fabinho. The world-class players that carried us to success get hammered when we struggle. The average players that tagged along to the success and get all the praise for it, they don't get the blame. It's a very strange thing. I wonder if passports have anything to do with it. Um, what else has he got in this? Priority, improve the away form. Our away form. Our away form is hilariously bad. 13 points from 15 games. The same as Leicester and Southampton, who are the bottom two teams in the league. We've been good. Not good at home, but we've been robust at home. But we have been pathetic away from home. Absolutely pathetic away from home. Our away wins this season, Spurs was a great result. Villa, in hindsight, a great result. Newcastle, a great result. A horrible performance, but a great result. Draw with Palace is disappointing. Draw with Everton, disappointing. Draw with Fulham, disappointing. And given how bad they are, draw with Chelsea, disappointing. But the performance was was the worst issue. But, you know, losing to United, who are crap. Losing to Arsenal. We did get robbed, but we lost to Arsenal. Losing to Forest was pathetic. Wallop by Brentford. Wallop by Brighton. Wallop by Wolves. Beaten by Bournemouth. Like, Jesus, wept, lads. We've thrown away the season away from Anfield, obviously. If our performances away from home were <clears throat> even half decent, we would have picked up a lot more points and we would be certainly in the top four. Unfortunately, it looks like we will miss out on the top four. Uh, concern the implications of missing out on the Champions League. Of course, that will be the excuse if we don't spend money this summer. Oh, well, we didn't get Champions League football. Okay, well, you knew from probably Mark onwards that it was looking unlikely. So why didn't you just adapt and go a different direction then? Why is it that other clubs can spend when they don't have Champions League football, but we never can, even when we have Champions League football? Future Premier League title contenders show their ugly side, but not Alisson. This piece was written by Stephen Scragg. Uh, a lifeless display despite extensive changes. The last word on Liverpool-Chelsea. 
Curtis Jones explains mystery injury staff had never seen before. Okay. Just 7% of Liverpool's midfield has been in the prime age this season. I assume that's Fabinho. Elliot and Stefan are younger than the prime age. Thiago, Henderson and Milner are older than the prime age. Unless Fabinho's older, would it be Naby? Ox? Ox is older than Fabinho, isn't he? Liverpool's abysmal attacking stat that should have you worried. Liverpool's main issues this season have been st- have stemmed from being too easy to score against. No, that's not actually Liverpool's main issue. Liverpool's main issue is we're too easy to play through. Um, the Reds' goalless straw against Chelsea was the fourth consecutive nil-nil against the Londoners over 445 minutes. That's including the, the two cup finals. Worryingly, it's not just Chelsea that Liverpool have struggled to score against. Since beating Manchester United, the Reds have scored just one goal in four games, Salah's opener against Man City. So this is Andrew Beasley's numbers. Uh, Last four second halves for Liverpool. Um, Sorry, last three second halves for Liverpool. Real Madrid, we had one shot. City, we had one shot. And Chelsea, we had one shot. Liverpool have generated just 0.1 XG in their last three second halves. That is absolutely woeful. Oh, they, they, they quote tweeted me. Well, they didn't. They put a tweet in where Sam Maguire replied to me. That's what's happened here. Um, I just tweeted at the time, if Kovic scores his 1v1 or the ball hits Havertz in the chest rather than the arm, we lose that game. We play exactly the same, but we lose. Is is Jürgen waffling about super attitudes then? We were shite, outplayed. Luckily, they can't buy a goal all season. And Sam put in the XG, which was uh, significantly higher for them than for us. Theirs was, I think, 2.12. Yeah, 2.12 and ours was 0.35. We had 0.23 XG from open play in the game. Uh, 0.14 of that was the Henderson uh, left-footed shot. I I don't even know if he was trying to shoot or just play it back in the general direction of the goal, but it was given 0.14 because the goalkeeper was out of position. Now, I'm not sure it had the legs to even reach the goal where Koulibaly cut it out. Uh, I assume the other 0.09 is the Joe Gomez shot from distance, which Kepa saved fairly easily. And I assume that's that's basically how we generated that. And then obviously Fabinho had his shot that got blocked and there was a couple of other bits from set pieces, but that is that is generally or that is genuinely woeful. Um we'll move to Liverpool.com Liverpool told Jurgen Klopp stars, sorry, Liverpool told three Jurgen Klopp stars not good enough as blunt verdict, not the whole story. Is this this Danny Murphy drivel? I hope it's not. Hardly anyone at Liverpool has been immune from criticism this season. In goal, Alisson has been beyond reproach, but more or less everyone else in Jurgen Klopp's camp has come under the microscope at one time or another. 
Okay, Glenn Johnson. Is it Glenn Johnson has made these claims? Besetich, Fabio Carvalho and Harvey Elliott. Glenn Johnson says they're not good enough to play for Liverpool. Well, Glenn Johnson, to be fair, would know all about not being good enough to play for Liverpool because he was absolutely desperate. So that's, yeah, you know, he's, he's right in his, his own wheelhouse there. Sadio Mane issues forward answers. Liverpool battles Man United for Premier League midfielder. Uh, Mane was asked about whether or not he'd get his Liverpool form back and he said something about next season. Uh, Liverpool and Manchester United are apparently battling it out for Alexis McAllister. I can't help but think that he's going to end up at Man City. To me, he just screams Man City as a replacement, a successor for Ilke Gundogan. That, to me, is the most logical move for him and for them. Liverpool watches Red Bull ace as Robert Lewandowski lifts lid on Jurgen Klopp transfer talk. Uh, Klopp spoke to Lewandowski about joining Liverpool in 2017. Interesting. Very interesting. So Liverpool are watching Lukas Sukic. Now, he's just had surgery, uh, and I think he's expected to be out for five, four or five months. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen this summer. Anfieldindex.com. Why Liverpool must copy the AC Milan model of the 90s, written by Stephen Smith. Check that one out there. And Liverpool players that deserved more England recognition. So Rob Jones, eight caps. Injuries are what screwed Rob Jones. Rob Jones would have been England's right back for a long, long time, if not for injuries. Gary Neville would have ended up with about 20 caps rather than the 80-odd he ended up with. Rob Jones was a better right-back, and when his injuries occurred, they were absolutely cruel. Now, he wasn't helped by the fact that Roy Evans insisted on playing him as a left-wing back rather than on his preferred right-hand side to get McAteer into the team. McAteer should have been playing in central midfield, but it is what it is. It's a long way gone. Uh, Jamie Carragher, 38 caps. The issue for Carragher is... In terms of talent, he's the sixth best centre-back of that era. Saul Campbell, Ledley King, Woodgate, Terry, Ferdinand. Unfortunately for Carragher, they were all better players than him. Now, he had fitness on Woodgate and he had a much better career than Woodgate. He had a better career than Ledley King, again, because of the fitness. But Ledley King and Jonathan Woodgate were better centre-backs. Saul Campbell is the best of the bunch by a considerable margin. And obviously, Terry and Ferdinand had great careers. Uh, Steve McMahon, only 17 caps. And again, as Stephen points out, there's there was just so much competition for spots in England's midfield back then. 
Brian Robson, Glenn Hoddle, Ray Wilkins, Paul Gascoigne, Trevor Stephen, Neil Webb, David Platt, and Steve Hodge. Like that's a lot of quality midfielders. Jamie Redknapp, only 17 caps. Again, injuries just screwed him. Redknapp is often overlooked for how good of a player he was because he's an absolute imbecile as a pundit. But Jamie Redknapp, without the injuries, could have been Michael Carrick-esque. He had the passing range. He was a decent defensive player. He was a smarter player than he is a pundit, which is an unusual thing. Because you listen to him talk about football and you think, this fella is absolutely empty in the head. But he was a very clever player. Great pass with the ball. Like, Jamie Redknapp could ping a pass as well as pretty much anybody in the league back then. He just could never stay fit. Uh, Steve McManaman, him only getting 37 caps is a scandal. Steve McManaman was the best English player for years. Absolute years. He was the best player in the Premier League for a couple of years. Robbie Fowler, only 26 caps. And again... It's era, it's the other options that they were. Ferdinand, Sheringham, Wright, Sutton, Cole, Collymore, Michael Owen, and of course Alan Shearer. And the issue for Fowler is that Shearer was always going to start and Fowler and Shearer didn't work as a pair. Fowler needed to play with Sheringham or Collymore or Sutton. But unfortunately for him, they were the players that Shearer played best with. Like Shearer and Owen didn't really work. Fowler and Owen didn't really work for us either. It's why um, Jared Houllier would so often play Stan Collymore. Or oh, not Stan Collymore, Emil Heskey's who I'm thinking of. Um, Sheringham and Fowler would have been a hell of a pairing. Not the quickest Though Fowler, before the injuries, before the first big injury, Fowler had really good pace. But, yeah, he's just, unfortunately, the era he came through in England had an an immense amount of quality strikers. Um, Yeah, so there's that. That's a really good piece by Stephen. Uh, Podcast-wise, there's a new scouted out. Stephen Carroll went through all of our current midfielders. And I think we decided to sell pretty much all of them. So give that a listen. And that'll do me for today, folks. Thank you. As always, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.